Let's open our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel and again to chapter 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, And the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased and said unto him, that's to Jesus, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye should say to the mountain, Be be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. So far the reading of God's word, verses 15 and 16. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And he said unto them, 
Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Jesus makes himself known as the long-awaited Messiah. Riding there into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. The palm branches are waving. Clothing is strewn on the way like a carpet for the king who comes to his city. Spontaneously, there are hosannas yelled out. And now the chief priests and the scribes, those leaders who should have been pointing the people to the Christ, we read they are sore displeased. Sore displeased. They are angry. They're hopping angry. Master, rebuke thy disciples. And Jesus says to them, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. But as that week progresses, the enthusiasm and the shouting of Hosanna diminishes. The crowd watches. Does this king go to the palace? Will he claim his place of honor? Will he speak to the multitudes what they have to do to bring the kingdom to him? Will he finally loosen the Roman grip on us? The answer is no to all those questions. Jesus will have nothing of an earthly crown. He goes on that Sunday to the temple. It's late Sunday evening. He looks around and he goes home to Bethany to his friends. In Matthew's gospel, it's not clear, but Mark's gospel makes very clear that it is on Monday morning he again comes to Jerusalem and he's hungry and therefore he looks to the fig tree for fruit and there is none. What a powerful sign he gives to his disciples in that. God does expect fruit from his people. And as the fig tree promised fruit because the leaves were on it, there was no fruit, so also the worship there in Jerusalem was outward, but there was not any fruit. And so he curses the fig tree. And that looks forward finally to what is going to happen later on in the history. Because of the rejection of the Jews, they will be destroyed by the Romans in A.D. 70. Having cursed the tree, he walks on, and he again comes to the temple. What a noise. Where there should be prayers being offered, there is the noise, there is the din of cattle lowing or sheep making noise or the owners of these making a lot of noise, buy my cattle or buy my sheep from me. And so Jesus cleanses the temple. This is the second time that Jesus does that. He did it at the beginning of his earthly ministry, and now he does it again because obviously the earlier cleansing was only temporary. The temple was profaned with all that noise of the cattle and of the sellers and the money changers. It should be a house of prayer. Instead, they have made it a den of thieves. After having cleansed the temple, he remains there, making sure that no one comes in carrying animals. And the multitude come to him, bringing the, lie, the lame and the blind to him for healing. 
And the Pharisees and the scribes see all this. Mark writes, they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Yes, the religious leaders are dismayed. They are angry. And they accept the offer of Judas to betray Jesus to them at night when the multitudes are away. Healing the lame and the blind, now we have this group of little children. So this is on a Monday when these little children who have heard what Jesus has to say and they have heard the hosannas on Sunday of the multitude and they have seen his work healing the the lame and the blind and they cry out, Hosanna, what fresh What enthusiastic voices. And you and I need to see the significance of this event. For Jesus does not minimize the praises of these children. You see, the passion and the death of our Lord Jesus is covenantal. It's not only for the aged or those who are old enough to understand but it is also for the little children. Praise. So I've entitled my sermon, Beautiful Words of Little Children. Beautiful words of little children. Notice the confession of these children. Notice where these words come from. Notice, thirdly, the purpose of the praise of these children. What is the confession of these children? These are probably 12-year-old boys. Now, yes, many commentators like to say they were probably four to six years old. And Jesus does, when quoting from Psalm 8, talk about the babes and the sucklings. And yes, sucklings would be little children that are still being fed by their mother, about four years old. They did nurse much longer in those days. But why do I say these were most likely children of 12 years old? Well, you'll remember, hopefully boys and girls, you'll remember that when Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple for the first time for the Passover feast, how old was he? He was 12 years old. That was the age when these young men would be taken along with their parents to the temple for the Passover feast. 12 years old and upward. Their praise comes like the parents' praise came from Psalm 118, a a psalm that praises and celebrates the salvation that God gives. Notice the words, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 27. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Jesus receives this confession of these children. For it's a confession of the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah who would save and redeem his people. All those ages before of kings, of priests, of prophets, of sacrifices, all looked forward to the day when Jesus would come. And now he has come to bring that sacrifice, to bind the sacrifice to the horns of the altar by being nailed to the cross. Notice with me this praise of the children comes after the cleansing of the temple. It comes after the healing of the lame and the blind. 
Truly, Jesus Christ came there to Jerusalem as a lowly Savior, humble, not in order to lord it over the the Jews, but rather to help them, to save them, to stoop down to that class of society which was probably the lowest blind men who are begging for help or lame men who are sitting there by the temple gate waiting for alms. Jesus stoops down to their need and heals. Fresh, enthusiastic voices. And I want you to know that that confession of these children comes after, and it comes over against the rebellion and the rejection by the leaders. On Sunday, they also come to Jesus and they say, tell these multitudes to be quiet. What are you doing? And now once again, they come. Do you hear these children and what they're saying? And what were they saying? They said, Hosanna. And that word translated is literally from two different words. Save, I beseech you. Or it's, please save us. Please save us, little children. They are asking for that salvation that was promised in the Old Testament, weren't they? That finally the serpent's head would be crushed. That serpent that was always nipping at the heels of God's people. Save, please. They saw the lame and the blind saved, didn't they? And so they are responding to what they have heard. They are responding to what they have seen. They are responding with what? God has put in their hearts. And what's on their hearts now comes off their lips. Save, please. Save us, little children. Psalm 118 ends with that beautiful praise, doesn't it? It is covenantal salvation. God is the Lord which hath shown us light. Psalm 118, verse 27. This prophet from Nazareth is the son of David. He is the great son who is going to sit upon the throne forever and ever. In him alone there is salvation. And these young children, probably about 12 years old, from the heart, express a prayer, and they make a confession, don't they? Because they believe that he is that long-awaited son of David, the Messiah. They pray, save us now. That is the noise that is now made in the temple. The temple that is made for praise. Oh, remember... On that morning, there was earlier noise in the, in the temple, wasn't there? There was the noise that was sanctioned by the chief leaders of the Jews, the buying and the selling of cattle. The noise of the cattle, the noise of the hawkers selling their wares, and the noise of those who were changing money. And instead of that noise removed from the house of praise, there is the praise sung by these little children. So that brings me to my second point then. Where do those words come from? Where do those words come from? Over against some who are saying these little children are playing games. The chief leaders were really saying, these children are too young in the eyes of us. We don't, des- we don't want to hear their noise. We don't hear- want to hear what they're talking about. 
And you will remember also that Jesus' disciples also had that view of little children, didn't he? It was probably the same view that my parents had as Dutch parents. Children are to be seen and not heard. The disciples also said, Children, parents, take your children away from us. Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such, not will be, but of such is the kingdom of heaven. Where does this praise come from? I read in Schilder's trilogy, triple book on the passion and suffering of Jesus, he talks about the prattle of babes, that they're playing an alley game. Children's game, he says. Apparently, a trivial game of a group of children there. And I'm going to quote from him. Jesus saw through the superficiality of the hosannas of the people and the children, and he must detect a lot of falsetto voices and monotones in this chorus of the children. Yes, he, that is Jesus, knows that their praise is not significant as an index to their appreciation of his work. End quote. Is this just superficial noises? Is this just the children mimicking the adults the day before? No, this is not just the racket of children who don't know what they're talking about. No, this is not merely imitation, repeating what their elders had spoken before. They, from their hearts, are saying, Hosanna. Please save us, little children. Please save us because we are sinners. Please save us because there's no hope except in the Messiah whom God would give to deliver us. Oh, do they at this point have all the knowledge of exactly what that salvation is and how it's going to take place? Probably not. The disciples didn't understand the cross. How would these children at this point? But God is pleased, and Christ Jesus is pleased with this praise. But the spiritual leaders are not pleased. They ask Jesus, please close up these mouths of these children. And these leaders' objection is threefold. Number one, they objected to the contents of the praise. How dare these little children take Psalm 118, which is about the Messiah of his people, and give it to this rabble-rouser from Nazareth, Jesus Christ. Psalm 118 is talking about a God who delivers his people. How dare thee, that's blasphemy, to say that about Jesus Christ. They objected to the contents of the praise and the songs of these little children. They object second of all to who is bringing it. These little children. They should be seen, not heard, and especially not in the temple. And they are objecting thirdly because of the place. Right in our temple there is this noise of these children singing to Jesus Christ. What comedy, really? How the Lord in heaven must laugh at the foolishness of sin and rebellion. Those Jewish leaders were willing to have the noise of animals and of buyers and sellers in the temple. And when that noise is removed, now they're objecting to the noise of the praise of these children. Don't they know that God's house is a house of prayer? It is a house of praise? Stop their mouths. They were sorely distressed, displeased, and even angry. 
because they had made before an overture to the people that no one should speak the name of Jesus in Jerusalem, let alone in the temple. Where do these songs come from? Well, beloved, these children are taught by godly parents. They speak the truth that they have learned from their parents. And yes, they are repeating what the parents have said the day before. They were instructed. They have in their hearts the longing and the desire of 4,000 years of looking and waiting for a Savior, a Messiah, to help them. God uses means to instruct, doesn't he? That's why we have our children here in the pew with us, and we don't send them off to a children's church to color and to draw. But parents hearing the word of God, parents teaching those words of God to their children, the children hearing it. What a beautiful thing it is when God's people leave the sanctuary and they're able to go over the sermon with their children. Their children are able to ask questions. What did the pastor mean with this? Or questions to the children, for that's the way a lot of education is taking place. Parents asking questions questions of their children what did you hear what did he say what does this mean yes these children have been taught by their parents just as our little children are to be taught by their parents in the home sitting with us in the church sent to our christian schools god uses means That's why we have our children with us this morning, isn't it? Boys and girls, the Lord loves not just older believers. The Lord loves little children. For God's covenantal promise is in the line of generations. Yes, they have heard what parents and what the multitude have said. And yes, they have with their own eyes seen Jesus' power and authority. The authority of cleansing the temple. The very charge that comes from these Jewish leaders. What authority do you have to do this? They were miffed because they thought they had the authority over what took place in God's house. And what others could say and do. What authority do you have? The children heard, the children saw. The cleansing of the temple so that once again it is a house of prayer. And they saw the Lord's Jesus' work of salvation, didn't they? Healing the blind and the lame. What pictures they were to their eyes of the spiritual truth. For isn't that what Jesus Christ came here in the world to do? To claim, to claim you and me, who are spiritually blind, cannot understand the mysteries of the kingdom, and that blindness is taken away. And you and I, who by nature are lame, we cannot run in the way of God's good commandments. He heals us, so that is his children. We are able now to fight sin and we are able to run in the way of his commandments. We are able to fight the good fight that's before us. What an intelligent, what a worthy confession of these children. They were taught by their parents. They see with their own eyes the salvation portrayed by this lowly Savior who came not to save from the Jews, from the Romans, but came to save us from ourselves, from our sin, from Satan, and from death. But not only have they heard with their ears, not only do they see with their eyes, 
They see things that these blind leaders of the Jews refuse to understand or to confess. For those blind Jewish leaders, what could they really say about the temple which should be a house of prayer and they have made it a den of thieves? And what can they really say about this miraculous healing that's taking place there in the temple? For it is only God that has that power to heal. But they deny. They deny. All these miracles that have taken place now for three years in the midst of these Jewish people. In contrast to those blind leaders, these children testify that by his works he is indeed the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the hope of God's people. He is their Savior. Therefore, Jesus vindicates the right of these little children to say what they did. Because God does work in the line of generations. That's your my hope, isn't it? Also with our children. That's why we speak to them. That's how we train them in the home, in the church, and in our Christian schools. Jesus speaks of these little children by quoting from Psalm 8. Out of the babes, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Thou hast ordained, or as Jesus quotes from Psalm 118, thou hast perfected praise. What is it that enables these little children to confess their need for Christ Jesus when they say, please save us, little children? It's not only what they've been taught by their parents. It's not only what they have seen with their eyes, but it is God's work. God who has created each of these little children God who has worked that gift of regeneration in their hearts. For that is Psalm 8. Thou hast perfected the praise. Oh, those words, thou hast perfected praise. In other words, thou hast brought it forth. God has caused these little children to be able to say things that the blind leaders of the Jews refused to say. They could not say. So, if the leaders do not want to lead the multitude in the praises they ought to give, Jesus is saying, these children are bringing that praise. And if these children would not do it, then even the stones themselves would cry out. God's work. God's work in the heart. How beautiful are the praises of little children. A couple weeks ago, I think that we must have sang one of the songs that the children learned in school. And with the organ playing, with everyone else singing, there you could hear some of those little children very clearly singing with gusto the words of that song. The praises, beautiful words of little children. That's the covenant, isn't it? God working in the lines of our generations, how it does us good as parents, as grandparents, even as great-grandparents to hear our children here in worship singing with us or to go to the school programs when our children, our teenagers are singing those praises. That is God's work. God's work in the hearts of by his Holy Spirit and by his word.
That kind of praise, beloved, is not only possible, but that kind of praise is necessary. That's how God is doing this work in us. That's why he is saving us, isn't it? So that we are turned around instead of looking at ourselves, instead of hoping for the arm of flesh. We confess that Jehovah God is our God. And he is our redeemer. He has sent his only begotten son into this world in order to take our sins upon himself. In order to deliver us from the power of Satan and of sin. What a warning that is to us then. How terrible if parents don't take the time at home to instruct their children with catechism work, with Bible stories, with devotions around the table. How terrible if parents don't take their children to, school, to church. How terrible if these children are left on their own. I can think of a church in my past where there were parents that never had devotions around the table. They're just too busy and everyone's running around. Those children in catechism class didn't know their memory work because nobody made sure that they would study it. What a crying shame. Because God uses these means, doesn't he? Godly parents, pastors, elders, Christian school teachers uses all those so that our children hear the precious word of Christ. So that they see, spiritually see, how God is saving his people. And when they read their Bibles and when they see all these miracles that Jesus does, they are pointed beyond the physical to the spiritual. When Jesus has that power to still the storm, the disciples say, who is this that even the storms and the sea obey him? Yes, he is God. He is our God. Jesus comes to these leaders who come to him and say, tell these quiet children to be quiet. Don't you hear what they're saying? Jesus says, yes, yes, I hear what they say. But have ye never heard? Where is your biblical knowledge, you Jewish readers, you who love the scriptures, that is, to quote them when they apply, or you want them to apply? Jesus is saying here, rebuking these leaders, if you grown and intelligent men will not respond, these little children do respond. Let's bring that today. When you have leaders in the church who deny the creation account and want to somehow pander to evolution, when you've got leaders in the church who teach a well-meant offer of the gospel, it's up to you whether or not you're going to be saved. Over against that unbelief, how beautiful is the praises of God's children. For God does not take those who are wise in their own ways, but he takes the foolish things. He takes the little things. The praises of children. And you and I have to become like children, Jesus says, doesn't he? We have to become like children so that we simply trust in the word of our God rather than writing it off and pushing it aside as the Jewish leaders did. God. God does this wonderful work in these children. God does that wonderful work in us and in our children and in our grandchildren. Which means there's only one place to glory. To glory in the power of God who changes hearts and lives. What a contrast. What a great contrast these noble, these Jewish leaders with all their studying of the scripture, that's what scribes did, and these little children. The unbelief of those leaders and the faith of these children 
What a contrast between the noise that was there on Monday morning in the temple and the beautiful noise that was later on there in the temple on that Monday. Hosanna. Please save us little children. What is the purpose of this praise of the children? Notice God has ordained or God has perfected this praise. And God does it for several reasons. This praise is necessary for the Lord Jesus, not only the praise that was brought by the multitude on Sunday, but now this praise of the little children because Jesus Christ is going there to the cross. Is there any other way out, Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Is there any other way but not my will, but thy will be done? And Jesus needs this praise as he goes there. Just like you and I at different times, we need encouragement from others. Whether it be me as a pastor, whether it be you as a parent, whether it be as an elder in the church or a deacon or a Christian school teacher, we need encouragement at times to strengthen us so that we are faithful in our labors. So also Jesus at this particular hour. Jesus Christ in our human nature is facing the cross. He is facing being forsaken by his Father, even while being rejected by men. Rejected by these Jewish leaders over and over as they seek to get rid of him. He needs to be strengthened in later on this week when he is going to be betrayed by one of his own disciples. He needs to be strengthened when he is denied by one of his disciples. He needs to be strengthened when all of his disciples forsake him when the soldiers come with Judas. The praises of these little children are to Christ like the confession of Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, this praise of these little children is like that angel that comes to Jesus in Gethsemane to strengthen him for his labors. It is like Moses and Elijah who stood there on the Mount of Transfiguration, pointing to the law and the prophets how all these things must take place because God will save his people. Beautiful praise. How the Lord Jesus must have kept on singing this song of the little children in that week as he goes to the cross. Not a victim, but rather as a conqueror. Yes, he deserves that praise because he is Jehovah's salvation. And through his awful death and his resurrection, he brings salvation. He establishes his kingdom, the kingdom that will last forever and ever. Praises. God working in these children that through their mouths they speak the scriptures back to Jesus and he carries them in his heart. But these praises are also there to still the voice of the enemy, isn't it? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength or perfected praise. Now notice the next words from Psalm 8, which Jesus is quoting. Because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Isn't that what takes place here? The Jewish leaders come to Jesus and they say, tell these children to be quiet. Quit acting like a Messiah. This is blasphemy. Jesus quotes from Psalm 8. 
Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise over against the hatred and rebellion of the enemies. And they go away. They have nothing more to say. They cannot answer Jesus' words. When they ask, what authority do you do these things? Jesus asked them, you tell me. What authority did John the Baptist have? Was he the mouth of God or was he the mouth of Satan? And they answer him not. They go away with the tail between their legs. They are stilled. And how beautiful there. On that Sunday then and on Monday. The noise. The noise of the temple that was there is removed And now beautiful noise, beautiful words, beautiful songs from the mouths of these 12-year-olds. For they have heard that there is coming a Savior. For they have seen his mighty works right in their midst. He healed the blind and the lame. Jesus, Jesus is their light and salvation. And the praises of these little children and the praises of our little children still put to silence the ignorance of learned objectors of God. Which would you rather hear? The theologians or the teachers in the colleges and even Christian schools that say, no, not creation in six days, that's impossible, it's evolution. No, it's not God saving us. It's rather we have to have a well-meant offer and we have to be willing to accept. Would you want to hear that drivel over against our little boys and girls singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God And his glorious son is praised, is glorified by the praises of his people, both old and young. We teach our children, don't we, while they're very young, that Jesus came into the world to save us. And how beautiful then that our children sing this song. Please save us, little children. How beautiful to hear that noise here in the house of praise. Hosanna to the son of David. Save us, we beseech thee. Amen. Father in heaven, How deserving thou and thy Son, Jesus Christ, are of our praises. Continue to work in our hearts and lives, that new life, that life that comes from above. So that rather than rebelling and rejecting, we fall down in worship. And we sing praises to the only Savior, our God, who saves wretches like us. Oh yes, Lord, perfect, make perfect our praises. May they come through thy Son, Jesus Christ, the sympathetic high priest in heaven, perfected, bringing glory to thy name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in our Psalters to number 14. Stanza 2. From the lips of children, thou, O Lord, hast mighty strength ordained that adversaries should be stilled 
and vengeful foes, restrained. Let's sing stanzas one, two, three, and seven. One, two, three, and seven. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be yours. Amen. Amen.